Hey friends, welcome to Girls' Night. I'm Stephanie Mae Wilson, and I am so happy that you're here. Each week, I have a girlfriend over, and we talk through one of the biggest questions we have about our lives as women. We're talking about friendships and faith and relationships and self-confidence, about our calling in life and how to live every bit of our lives to the full. Life is so much better and easier and absolutely more fun when we navigate it together as girlfriends, and I cannot wait to get started. Friends, I'm so excited about today's episode. Today, we have my real-life friend, Jordan Lee Dooley, back on the show, and she's here to teach us how it's possible to really like our lives, even when we're not exactly where we wanna be. Jordan has a new book coming out next week, actually, and it's called Embrace Your Almost, Finding Clarity and Contentment in the In-Betweens, Not-Quites, and Unknowns. I love this because I know that so many of us have found ourselves here. So many of us are experiencing heartbreak and disappointment, lost dreams, and never-ending delays. We're in seasons of waiting, waiting for a relationship, a promotion, a baby, or a big move. We're in a place where our life just isn't working out the way that we thought it would, the way we really, really want it to. And that's hard. It's even harder to know what to do when we're in that place. Do we try harder? Do we keep pushing? Do we give up and walk away? How do we know? And as we're waiting, what do we do in the meantime? Jordan's gonna walk us through this and more, and I am so excited for you to hear from her. But before we dive in, friends, I am so excited to say that registration for my online course, Love Your Single Life, is opening up again on April 4th. Guys, I'm so excited about this, and I would love to have you join us. If this is your first time hearing about the course, let me tell you just a little bit about it. Love Your Single Life is the only online course for Christian women that teaches a step-by-step plan to help you savor, enjoy, and truly make the most of your single life, all while setting yourself up for amazing relationships and marriage in the future. We have had more than 6,000 women join us for the course since I started teaching it in 2015. And after taking the course, women have gone on to adopt children, travel around the world, step further into their identity and calling, and marry incredible men. I wanna share just one of our alumni stories with you. This is what Taylor had to say about the course. She said, LASL was the best investment I made in myself in 2020. Before the course, I said I was content with being single, but deep down, I was still incredibly insecure about it. Steph's course allowed me to explore the value of singleness. And today I can tell you that I am truly happy and content with being single. Steph helped me dream and plan for my future. Since the course, I've reached more of my goals that I set aside for someday, adopting a dog, spending more time outdoors, learning to cook well and investing in my friendships. At the same time, I also feel ready to date as a result of the course. Growing up in church, I didn't learn much about dating and relationships besides the usual date with the intention to marry advice. And as a result, I've always been anxious about dating because I didn't know what to do or how to do it well. Steph's course taught me how to flirt, how to talk to guys, how to show a guy that I'm interested in him. LYSL taught me directly and explicitly how to date. And for that, I am so grateful. My confidence in the relationship side of my life is higher than ever. And I feel both content in my current season and eager to see what the future holds. Ah, friends, I love that. Registration for the course is only open twice a year. And the next time is on April 4th. You can find out all about the course and get your name on the waiting list at loveyoursinglelife.com. Again, that's loveyoursinglelife.com. And that link will also be in our show notes. One other thing is that I know that some of you guys may be listening to this after the deadline in April or in a totally different time of the year, and that's completely fine. Head to the website anyway, put your name on the waiting list, and that way you'll be the first to know next time the course is opening back up. I can't wait to share this with y'all. Okay, so with that said, let's jump into the episode. Here's my conversation with Jordan. Okay, friends, I am so excited for who we have on the show today. I'm sitting here with my real life friend, Jordan Lee Dooley. Jordan, thanks for coming back on Girls' Night. We're so happy to have you. Thank you for having me. It's always fun to be here. It's been a a gift. I feel like you've been so generous with your show and I love getting to chat every time we do this. So thank you. Oh my gosh. Well, same. I love that. um, We'll probably talk about this soon, but I feel like so many of the things that you're doing so many of the things I'm doing. They've been like vetted through each other yes. before they go out into the world. Literally. Like, there's so many texts that go back and forth that are like, does this make sense? Does this, <laughs> does this work? And is this a bad idea? Is this a good idea or stop me now? Yeah. And uh, so, so far so good. <laughs> yes, truly, it's such a gift to have a friendship like that. Especially, I feel like our, our communities are so similar to where we like, you understand my people, I understand your people and we can kind of look at it through that lens, which is such a gift. Yes. So. It's, yeah, it's uh, so good. Well, Jordan, for women who haven't gotten to meet you yet, 
um, all two of them. Uh, tell us who you are, what you do, and a fun fact about yourself. Oh, Dan. fun. Okay. So I am a podcaster, author, entrepreneur, coach, like kind of wear a lot of hats. Um, and I just wrote a new book called Embrace Your Almost. So that's kind of my big project right now. And a fun fact about me is that, okay, this is kind of random, but I've gotten into raw liver shots. Have you ever done that? It's like, kind of sounds gross, but like literally eating. I'm telling you, it's a wellness thing because I've like nerded out in my wellness journey over the last few years. Um, But instead of taking, like I started with like desiccated liver capsules, like to try to get like some organ, like meat, like nutrients. And I recently learned about like straight up taking a raw liver shot, which is like a teeny tiny little piece with orange juice. You don't taste it. It's actually not that bad, but it's like a psych. I'm like, I'm eating this like a psycho. Like I cannot believe I'm actually doing this. But I feel great. So like maybe it's worth <laughs> what whose liver? <laughs> it's not someone's. Um it's so there's a local like regenerative farm not too far from us. And so I get like a grass-fed beef liver that you can get for like eight bucks. I mean, it literally gives you like two months worth of supplements for like eight dollars. And it's like nature's vitamin. If you Google like eating liver, but I also don't like to like eat liver as a meal because that's nasty. So that's why it's like the fastest way to do it is just like throw it back with some orange juice. Don't even taste it. But it's kind of a gross, but random fun fact because I've been into this like, how do I get like more, you know, whole foods and like organ meat, but I also wouldn't want to eat organ meat as like a meal. So anyway, super random, probably nothing to do with what we're going to talk about, but I've been on a wellness kick and trying to find ways to do things more naturally. And that's one of them. Oh my gosh. I mean, it makes sense. Like if I was, yeah, if I was going to eat a piece of liver, I would want to like, you don't even want to taste it. Yeah, exactly. You don't even want to taste it. So yeah, you don't want to do that. No. Okay. That's amazing. I feel like we all, I mean, some people are like, yeah, duh, this is amazing. And then others of us are like, "Um, what's wrong with you? You're a psycho. Yeah, totally. We need to uh, Google this like on our way to truly, truly like look up the benefits of like eating liver though. It's like any organ meat. Honestly, it's like mind blowing. The amount of just like dense nutrients and None, none of the fillers that you would get in like a supplement. It's yeah, it's kind of interesting, but yeah, <laughs> I, I do. Tell, I do have to tell you, I die a little bit inside every time you say organ meat. <laughs> <laughs> it is kind of gross. I know. I'm like, yeah, I'm sorry to all the vegetarians out there. Oh my bad. Didn't mean to trigger you in the first five seconds of this episode. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh well, man. It's not girls might. Yeah. <laughs> just go in there. Hey. <laughs> oh man. Well, Jordan, I'm so so happy to have you back on the show. Uh, here talking about this topic in particular, and I'm so excited about your book. Um, tell us, b- before we get into anything, um, tell us about your book. Tell us like what it's about. And really, I know that before we can write a book, we have to live a book. <laughs> so I would love to hear like, what does that look like for you? Yeah. Um, so the way that I describe this book is it's really meant to serve as kind of like a survival guide for when you're in between where you started and where you thought you would be, or it's called Embrace Your Almost. And the purpose of that title is because I think a lot of us have experienced a lot of almost but not quite achieved dreams or uh, things that we thought we would have done by now in our life, whether that's uh, that guy was almost Mr. Right. And then right before I thought he'd pop the question, he changed his mind. Or I almost got the promotion, but then my kid got sick and I had to focus on that and it went to someone else. Or I almost had a baby and then I walked through a loss. Or so sometimes it's really heavy, like devastating heartbreak and loss. And other times it's just like, dang it, I did not get the promotion I wanted. And I was so close. And so anyways, um, it's really meant to be a guidebook because the reality is like, I think most of our life is like, we're aiming for a mountaintop moment. We're aiming for the next achievement, the next milestone in our life, whether that's personally or professionally. But most of our life, outside of when we actually like reach it and have the moment to celebrate, most of our life is spent in the middle. It's spent in the journey. It's spent in, in between one milestone and the next. And sometimes that journey is a lot longer than we anticipated it would be. And so it's really meant to be a guidebook on how to not only find contentment, but also clarity when you find yourself stuck in the in-betweens or the not-quites or the unknowns that really come with uncertainty, transitions, waiting seasons, or those like kind of curveballs that life throws when you thought you'd be here, but instead you're still kind of where you've been. So um, that's kind of a quick summary, but it's really the culmination of a lot of what I've lived over the last three plus years since my last book came out. Um, You know, when my last book came out, I kind of share this story. my book came out, my first book, I was 24, almost 25 years old, which is like super young to write a book. I had hit seven figures in my business that year. My husband came home like to work with me full time. We had traveled like the world. I got to speak like was on the mountaintop, right? And then at the end of the year in December, found out I was expecting. And it was one of those like, check, 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 check. I'm 25 years old. Life's going how I want. Like everything is just falling into place. And then everything fell apart. 
the following year. Like January, I went through my first loss, had another loss six months later. And it was just, and then COVID hit. And there was just like, there was one thing after another where it was just like everything kind of like, just when I thought I had the world at my feet, it was like, I lost control of everything and everything went sideways and like the perfect plan just kept not panning out. And so anyway, whether it was something, like I said, really devastating, like loss, like almost having a child and then not, or almost launching something in my business and then COVID like blowing everything up and us having to start back from square one or a very various other like almost in our life that we just, that we've experienced outside of the last three years. I kind of drew upon those experiences to share the lessons I've learned in the middle and in the not quites and the unknowns um, and also kind of create a guidebook on how do you really, how do you make the most of the middle while also still being, well, while also still aiming for whatever it is that you truly want and hope for. Um, Because I think those things can coexist. And I think sometimes we think contentment means, okay, you just don't care about the thing that you're hoping for anymore. Um, So anyways, that's kind of a quick synopsis of what inspired the book and kind of what it's about. I love this so much. When when you told me about this book, I was like, well, this is for my people. <laughs> because I mean, you know this, but we talk so much about transition in my community. And um, for I, it's crazy. This will be my fifth, 15th time teaching the course, but I have a course wow. called Love Your Single Life. And it's all about making the most of this season right now mm-hmm. while also setting yourself up for the next season. Because I mean, I got to see this in my own life and I've seen this, you know, in so many different people's stories that one accomplishes the other in mm-hmm. so many ways. Like through living today well, that's that's exactly the right way to set yourself up for whatever the next thing is. And so yeah. I, I just love this message so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that like we all are running out to buy this book because <laughs> it's just so necessary. We're yeah. so many of us are here. So I, I want to like really dig in with you because I know you have so much to share on, mm-hmm. on this. When there's something that we're really hoping for mm-hmm. and it's it's not happening. That's mm-hmm. just frustrating mm-hmm. and devastating all mm-hmm. at once. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes all in the same breath. Sometimes it feels different on different days. Yeah. Um, but are there any mindset shifts mm-hmm. to kind of kick things off yeah. that can help us just think about where we are differently? Yeah, absolutely. So one big lesson that comes, there's a couple of things. One um, that I've had to shift, especially as a person who's more of an achiever and like I set a goal and I achieve it. And then there's been certain things in my life that whether that's because of circumstances in the world or in my personal life that I'm like, it doesn't matter how hard I work toward this. I could do all the right things and it could still go wrong, which is like the most humbling thing to have to come to grips with. Um, But in that process, I've learned one big thing is life is more like a garden to tend than a game to win. And I'm going to say that again, just because I think it's something that we we often look at like the next achievement, the next milestone, the next this, especially as everyone else around us is like advancing to the next level in life, whether that's getting married, having a baby, buying a house, advancing in their career, et cetera. We almost like, I think, start to treat life like a game. Like, oh, I'm behind them, but I'm ahead of them and this and that and the other thing. And in my season of like, well, everything just blew up in my face. Like, what do I do with these like broken pieces? I really, I actually started gardening partly because I just needed a hobby and like needed something to nurture when I thought I'd be nurturing my kids. Um, and it actually became a very therapeutic thing, but also there's so many lessons in the garden and um, really learning like life is more like a garden to tend than a game to win. And if I start treating it like a game to win, I'm going to treat some of the most sacred things in life like an achievement, whether that's motherhood or marriage or something else. So that's a huge thing to just like kind of lean back into of like, okay, some of the most important things in life are not something to achieve and they're not usually something we can control. We might be able to make choices that support those things, but ultimately like it's not something you can achieve. And we often turn sacred things into a competition or an achievement. So that's the first thing. The second thing I would say is our greatest disappointments can be one of two things. They can be dead ends or they can be defining moments. And it's hard for to like lean into that because they often feel like a dead end. And a disappointment can look one of two ways. It can look like I was on track. I was two seconds away from like, getting married or having the baby or doing this thing. And something came along and blew it up. You know, something went wrong, something went sideways and I'm just so disappointed. And disappointment doesn't even feel like the right word because I'm actually like devastated and so discouraged and confused and disillusioned. Like sometimes it's even deeper than just merely disappointment. But also it doesn't always have to be when something comes along and blows up like our perfectly laid plans or, you know, whatever. Sometimes it's just like, 
this just hasn't, like nothing has worked out with this. Like I have not made any progress on it and I'm disappointed in myself or I'm disappointed in the people around me or my circumstances or all of the above. And so regardless, either way, like the things that feel like the biggest place of disappointment in our life, usually it's because I expected to be here, but instead I'm still here. Um, Those can either be dead ends, like, all right, well, I guess this is how it's always gonna be and I'm just gonna sit down because I'm over it. And there's definitely days where it's tempting to do that. And sometimes you do need to take a break and just be mad. I validate that. But they can also become defining moments. And in my life, there was, especially after going through double loss, like that was a big, I don't even want to use the word almost. That was like a life-changing, like heartbreaking, heart-wrenching experience. But it was also like an almost in some ways, um, just a really hard one. And especially after the second time, I was really pissed, honestly. Like, I hope I can say that on the podcast, but just to be raw, I was just mad. And I was just like, you know, the first time I was like, well, it's a fluke. Like, I trust God. God is good. Like, that was kind of how I like... And then the second time I was like, what the actual... Like, I was so... Like, I felt like God had made... Like, had said things. I was like, does God even speak to me? Like, does he keep his promises? What's going on? Like, anyway, so I had a lot of bitterness and a lot of anger, rightly so. Um, And I carried that for a long... Like, several, several months. And I still... It still can come up at times. But, um, you know, it was one of those things where I just... And then I felt like this season was supposed to be filled with motherhood and all of these things, but instead it just feels empty. So I just wanted to like busy myself. And I remember I had a conversation with a friend who had walked a similar road and she was like, you don't have to fill all the time though. Like meaning like, cause I was just going to get really busy in my work. I was like, well, I don't know what's going on with my body, but I'm good at business. So I'll just like throw myself into that. And she's like, yeah, maybe not. <laughs> and she was able to kind of be a guide and say, this is a, an, this is your boot camp to learning to be more present and still, um, which is ultimately what you're going to need when that season does come. And that was like kind of eye-opening for me and a mindset shift for me for sure. And so kind of it, it went from feeling like super empty and discouraging to like empowering. Like, oh, if I could look at this as like a boot camp season, I don't know how long the boot camp season is going to be, but if I could look at this as a time to like pour into my health and like steward my community and maybe actually not just throw myself back into hustle, but actually start like creating a more flourishing and like in lovely existence of a life, even when I'm not where I thought I would be, maybe that will be like so key in the future. And so anyways, I after a little while, I kind of leaned into that and I started doing different things in my boot camp season that have been so life-giving and like developed me as a person. And so in many ways, this boot camp season or like after that, it kind of it was a huge disappointment, in fact, a devastation. Like this is not an example where I'd call it just like a disappointment. But those experiences, like they really do have the potential to be a defining moment. I mean, I feel like a completely different human than I was two years ago. I have learned to say yes and no to the right and the wrong things. I have, you know, um, like worked on my health. I've grown my relationships. I've become more available. I've stopped the hustle like train that I was just on trying to achieve the next thing and the next thing. I've gotten really clear on what I value and what I don't. Um, And that I don't think could have happened without some major setbacks and some things that were really jarring. Um, So anyways, my point is, your, ga- your life is a garden to tend to, not a game to win. And your greatest disappointments can be one of two things, a dead end, which they often feel like, or a defining moment. And it's really like up to us to choose. I feel like we all just need to sit for a second <laughs> and then like rewind, press play, take a bunch <laughs> of notes. Um, that is so, I feel like that's been the lesson of of my life in so many different seasons. Like mm-hmm. that, that is what what um, I learned when I was single. Mm-hmm. Like there was so, so much of that time in my life where I was trying to fix things and change things mm-hmm. and force relationships to work and and where I was just sometimes discouraged, sometimes disappointment, mm-hmm. disappointed and sometimes totally devastated by the fact yeah. that like this relationship didn't work out or it felt like no relationships were working out. Yeah. But then there really was this turning point for me where I was like, what am I going to do with this time? Mm-hmm. Like I have this time regardless. And mm-hmm. and, and I, I get to either just sit here and kind of waste it away or I get to make some really conscious decisions to, to live life on purpose right yeah. now. And I had just this gut feeling that like, maybe if I did that, maybe maybe the way that I lived this middle would make a really big difference yeah. in the next season. Yep. And it was so true. Like mm-hmm. everything um, that I did in, to grow as a person, to heal, to grow in my community, to like develop me, exactly mm-hmm. as you said, has made, I mean, those things have made the biggest difference mm-hmm. in my marriage, in yeah. every single day of my marriage, which yeah. is, is why I love talking about this. Mm-hmm. I, I haven't gotten to share this yet, but um, it's like my my new favorite picture of this. So I was, I 
like went through exactly like so much of what you're talking about mm-hmm. when I was single and then getting married, like that was kind of a, a chapter. Mm-hmm. But I relived this lesson all over again in trying to get pregnant, which mm-hmm. you know it took us a really long time. Yeah. And I, I had to make the same decision all over again where I was like, am I going to just like it felt really empty yeah. and and so discouraging and mm-hmm. like nothing we tried. Mm-hmm. Like we did everything that we could. We couldn't control it. Yeah. But I did have to make the same decision where I was like, okay, am I going to live this? Or am I going to, like, am I going to live this season? Or am I just going to To wait? wait? Yeah. And um, I I really decided that like, I wanted, when I finally, if I ever got to be a mom, Mm -hmm. I wanted my kids to find me living Mm -hmm. a really full life. Mm -hmm. And um, it's, there's, we have this like a uh, photo board in our house mm-hmm. that has a bunch of like our, like mine and Carl's favorite memories, you know, printed out on it. Mm-hmm. And we've just always had it in our house. And after um, our girls were probably maybe six months old when they first noticed it, mm-hmm. but they love looking at it, mm-hmm. like love looking at it and mm-hmm. just like stare at it anytime they pass by. Mm-hmm. And I was able to capture a photo of Carl holding Annie as she's staring at these photos. And mm-hmm. Carl's like telling her about all these different ones, which of course she has no idea what he's talking mm-hmm. about. But um, and it just was like this really cool picture of all mm. the things that we did while we were married, before mm. we were parents. Mm-hmm. Like those things have made us who we are as parents yeah. in the same way that the things that we do while we're single mm-hmm. make us who we are when we're married. Yeah. And I just, you know, I really, I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, um, one of the things that I've, like one of my favorite things I've ever heard you talk about is learning to like your life when you don't necessarily love the way that something is going in your life, you can still like it. And so can you like talk us through what that means, how we do it? Yeah. All the things. Yeah. Good question. So I kind of came up with this term. I At least I thought I came up with it. I've never heard of anyone else say it. But I felt like everywhere, especially like as I was trudging through like the healing journey after last, because I took a long time to just like pause. I mean, I felt like, okay, I'm young. I'm going to take my time. Like I just can't keep living this cycle. And so I took a long time to take, to focus on my health, to heal my heart, like a lot of things. But in that, I felt like there was so much messaging that I was like, build a life you love, love your life. And I was like, well, I don't like, I I'm thankful for a lot of things in my life, but this is such a painful area right now that it's like, it almost feels impossible from like, life can be hard and hard to love. And I think it's just such a like cliche that we say, but we're not, it's not like very honest sometimes. But at the same time, we don't want to like hate our life. Like if you're just like leaning into how miserable you feel about one thing, like that can start to bleed into everything else and really ruin the joy and the meaning that so much of life holds because there's this one area or this thing that feels painful or heavy. And so I was like, what's the what's the realistic and like doable way to approach this? And I just felt like I came up with this term of like, what if you could like your life? Meaning like maybe there's something that feels undone or incomplete or whatever. But what if you could like be intentional to make the most of your life right now and do things that you actually enjoy? Because I think a lot of times when we're in a transition or something isn't working out or almost works out and then it goes sideways or whatever, it it kind of feels like we're stuck in like pending and we almost feel like we're like enduring. And there and to a degree, there is enduring that happens when we're waiting or hoping for something. Um, but I'm like, what if the enduring could also be like enjoying? Like kind of what you had said about your your memory board. And so um, kind of as I was thinking, it was this was all kind of happening around the same time where I was like thinking about how can I treat this as a boot camp season to prepare me for the future, but also make me a more interesting person in the present and like enjoy my life more in the present because it really doesn't feel very enjoyable or very happy. And I also don't want my joy, or not my joy, but like I don't want my satisfaction or sense of contentment to come solely from my circumstances and things working out because inevitably we will all walk through things where the thing that just like, just like I had shared in the beginning, I had the perfect year, you know, in air quotes, like the perfect year beforehand where every box was being checked and then all of a sudden everything went sideways. That can happen to any of us at any point, like around the corner, we never know what could go wrong. And so it's just one of those things where it's like, okay, if I only like my life or like love my life when everything's like PG keen, like I'm not gonna have much time where I actually enjoy my life. Like we're just, those those seasons where everything just feels great are like gifts. They are like pockets. But the reality is like we live in a broken world so we're bound to experience in-betweens and heartbreaks and unknowns and the and the stress of that. So anyways, it just kind of became this like, and it actually ironically, the, re, the, the day I came up with this like concept of like liking your life was I was sitting on my back patio. Well, I had launched a program, completely flopped in my, to my standard. Like it just did not hit anywhere where we thought it would. 
And I was so discouraged about it. And I, this was actually after our losses and everything, but I was in the process of this whole mindset shift anyway around like, I don't have to do all the things, whatever. But then when this, my achiever side went psycho and crazy when things didn't work out how I wanted with this launch. And I called my husband and he was like, hey, let's go like talk about this because maybe this isn't the right program for like you. Maybe this isn't something you need to be doing. Um, we're trying to streamline anyway. Let's go to dinner and like talk things through. So I agreed. We go to this like Italian restaurant. We're talking over pasta and wine. Like it was like the most enjoyable little dinner. And then after that, we kind of like came up with a plan, went home and he happened to grab a book and sat out on our front, on our back porch of our new house. We had just moved a few months earlier and it like overlooks a pond and we had our little bistro lights that we had just strung up. It was like a late spring evening, you know, 60 degrees and cool outside. And so anyways, we're sitting on our little back patio and he starts reading. So I grab a book and I start reading. And the bistro lights are, you know, above us. And we hear the fountain at the, you know, in our backyard. And I just like looked around and I was so discouraged about this launch, like almost working out with a knot, right? And kind of flopping. And then all of a sudden, I just remember I looked around and I was like, that sucks. But like, I really like my life right now. Like, this is actually like so sweet and enjoyable. And like, I love today. Like, it's actually like a beautiful evening. And I'm so thankful for like my husband, the good things I do have, you know? So anyways, all of that said, that was kind of where that concept was born from. And that's really a huge part of what I write, what I wrote in the book, because I think we struggle with like, how do I make, what does that even mean to like love my life when things don't go how I want? And so I actually would love to read this quote. I need to find it. It's on my Instagram, but it's from the book. Um, and it kind of defines what it means to like your life, because I think that can feel like kind of an overwhelming concept. So I'm going to read it if that's okay. Is that good? Yeah. Okay. Yes. So it says, liking your life doesn't mean you can't aim for more. It doesn't mean you don't plan, hope, or dream of possibilities. It doesn't mean you quit longing for whatever feels just out of reach. It simply means you learn to sit with the tension of both disappointment and possibility. You allow yourself to simultaneously aim for what could be and make the most of what currently is. You know what you really value in a world that's constantly saying you should want to have it all. You redefine what success looks like for you, find contentment in what you do, and create a lovely existence even before you see the outcomes of your pursuits. You trade perfection for whimsy, delight, faith, and intention while while tending to the life you've been given. So that kind of goes back to the whole like just tending what's in front of you concept. But that's kind of how I define liking your life. (laughs) Oh, I love that so much. Jordan, you need to like make that a print so that we can all have it just on our wall. That is so beautiful. And thank you. It just... I love that so much. Hmm. I know that you are, you have just this incredible way of breaking big concepts down into really practical steps. And so I would love, can you talk to us just about like a couple things that we can practically do if we're in a season of waiting, if we're not loving our life right now, um, what are a few like small changes, practical things we can do to like our life? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, So one thing I would say is try to learn something new, something that is kind of interesting to you. Like in this boot camp season that I kind of found myself in, I asked my dad to teach me to play poker, like so random, but it was just something I was like, I kind of want to learn that. And so he took me to the casino. We played video poker so I could learn the hands and learn the cards. And I learned, I won a hundred bucks. It was awesome. Um, And then, (laughs) and then like, I just learned to play. So my family and I would play occasionally. And it was a fun thing to do with my dad. Um, So I learned how to play poker. I learned to garden. I learned how tomatoes grow. Like, I started asking my husband more questions about, he loves to like, he loves the outdoors, he loves animals. So I started asking more questions because he'll literally watch like these like camping, like wilderness, like YouTube vlogs. And so I I ask him questions about like surviving in the wilderness and how long deer live and like random stuff. Um, I started reading books about like women's health and an endocrine system and learning how my body works. So point being like, use this as a time to learn, like about things that maybe you just didn't get, like not learn about stuff when it comes to your work. Like I didn't read a bunch of personal development books or like read more about social media or podcasting. I started learning about things that were just fun and interesting to me, like gardening or poker or random stuff. So give yourself time to learn something fun. Um, That can be a really like sweet thing. And it can actually make you a more interesting person. Like my dad's friends now are like surprised I know how to play poker. Um, And so anyways, that's something you can do. Another thing is to invest in your health. Like this was something that I really took the time to do because sometimes when you have like this idle time, it can actually give you, or this time that feels like it's not full of what you thought it would be full of. It's also an opportunity to be like, how can I make sure that I'm taking care of me? And what do I need to tend to? And what does what needs to be supported? Um, and sometimes the waiting times are the times to do that because we're not running on all cylinders or as busy as we would have liked to be. Um, so that's another big thing. A third thing I would say is try to identify the desire beneath the dream. And what I mean by that is, you may have a really specific dream, like I want to meet my person and get married, or I want to be a mom, or I want to own a home, or like whatever it may be. Um, 
but maybe for whatever reason or another, like that's just not happening right now. So the, the specific dream may be, let's say, getting married. But if you can start to go, well, what's the underlying desire beneath that? You may find like, it's really to feel like connected and not lonely. Or when it comes to parenthood, maybe it's like, it's really to like nurture and like pour into and mother in some way or another. So like, for example, in my season, shortly after my losses, I felt like I had this like literal, literally instinctual need to nurture. And I felt like it was like taken away from me and I couldn't. And so that's why I started to garden. I was like, okay, if I can't nurture in the way that I thought I would, at least right now, what can I nurture? And so I started nurturing my marriage more. We started, I started being more intentional with that. I started a garden, like something I could like tend to and nurture and feel like I could care for and could grow life, you know? Cause I had this whole complex of like, I can't grow life. Like, I don't know what's wrong with me. So that was like a really sweet way to kind of revive and like serve and, and support that desire that kind of is underneath the more specific dream in the meantime. So kind of finding a way to move in the meantime and, and, and supporting that desire of your heart, even if it's not in the specific way you thought can be really life-giving. One last thing I will say is um, serving. So we started serving just by like, there's there's various ways to serve. We served through a volunteer program um, where we took in kids in crisis situations so that they wouldn't have to go into the system and we will host them for a night or a week or a month, depending on what the need is. Um, also, you know, hosting my friend's bridal shower and my sister-in-law's bridal shower. And like, there's different ways to serve. It doesn't have to be in crisis situations, but finding a way to like, in real life, we're like, yes, you can make a donation to a cause you believe in. That's great. But that's not going to like shift your heart. What shifts your heart and what shifts your perspective and kind of gets you out of your own head because we can get so focused on like what's not happening in our life is to get into the lives of others, to like enter into brokenness, to enter into pain and like be a light in that way. And it also then ends up like lighting up your life too. Um, and so serving in some way, making a difference for someone else, whether that's hosting someone's bridal shower or serving for a local program or doing something that just kind of like gets you, because otherwise we just get so focused on our own suffering. And when we can enter into the suffering of others, there is this like holy communion that happens. There's this like sense of redemption and joy that can come out of that as like hard as it can be. I don't recommend doing that if you're actually like walking through a huge, like if you're like five seconds after you go through a really big loss or a heartbreak, like give yourself a little time to mend and heal. Like make sure you're in a good headspace to be able to do that. Um, but if you feel like you're stable and you're able to, I think really somehow serving can be such a way to like, the way I describe it is like the most sanctifying thing to do is to serve in the place of your pain, which sounds like so backwards. Like, why would we do that? But I had a, the way, the reason I got that idea um, was because when a couple of years ago, I had a close friend of mine and she was just really struggling through her singleness. Like she was, she had so many great like suitors and they just, those relationships just kept falling apart. And she was just like, what the heck is going on? And she was so discouraged in it. And one day we were talking about it and she said she started volunteering at a nursing home. And I was like, why'd you choose a nursing home? Just like out of curiosity. And she was like, because I'm so focused on how lonely I feel that I started, I decided I wanted to serve those who are probably even lonelier than I am and like be a solution to other people's loneliness. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, okay. So that was like, and that, that's not for everyone, but like that was just so moving for me. And so after our losses, we ended up like supporting babies and kids and taking in three week old. And I'm like, this feels so backwards. But it was the most sanctifying thing in so many ways, like to step into the place that has been painful for you and serve. It's like the Lord, like I literally felt, and this was like a year after my loss. So it wasn't like immediately afterwards, but I felt like my heart had this, like it had healed in many ways. I'd gone to therapy, I'd taken time, I'd done the things, but there was like this corner of it that just still felt so hard and so guarded and so angry. And when we hosted our first like newborn, it was literally like God's finger himself like touched my heart and softened it. And it was like the most healing thing in the most unexpected way because I thought for sure I was going to hate it. Um, so anyways, it's all of us have different experiences, but that's just a reason where I'm like, serve in some way, maybe not in the place of your pain, but if you can, there is something sanctifying and healing about stepping in and making a difference in the area that's been painful for you. Oh, that's so good. Try not to cry. Oh, gosh, I love that so much. <laughs> Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Friends, springtime is finally here, but that also means allergy season is in full swing. I have always struggled with allergies and I don't know about you, but I am especially allergic to cats. More on that in a second. Well, luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin-D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. 
This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. The time that I use Claritin the absolute most is when I'm at my parents' house, my childhood home. They have this absolutely beautiful cat that they love and I like, except for the fact that he sheds so much. So that means that I'm basically sneezing from the second I arrive home to the second I leave, unless I take Claritin. My dad has even started having it ready for me right when I walk in the door. Are you ready to live life as though you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Claritin, thank you so much for sponsoring our girls' night. We love having you. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. As many of you know, I recently wrote a book, and while it was the most rewarding project of my career so far, it also came with a lot of hard work and long nights. And sometimes when things started to feel a little bit overwhelming, I needed to get a few things off my chest so I could clear my mind and keep the writing process flowing. And the thing that helped me so much to sort through those feelings was therapy. Now tell me if any of this sounds familiar. Maybe you're going through something really hard right now, a big loss or a gigantic life transition. Maybe you frequently feel anxious, depressed, overwhelmed, or just generally discouraged. Maybe you really, really, really want your life circumstances to change, but you don't know how to actually change them. Or maybe you're feeling stuck as you try to work through your past, navigate your present, or figure out your future. Friend, if you can relate to any of this, you're not alone. I've been there and therapy has been the thing that has helped me more than anything else with all of this. In the last 10 years or so, I've learned that strength isn't proving I can do it on my own. It's knowing that I don't have to. I'm at my strongest when I have a full support system around me and an essential part of my support system is therapy. Therapy can be absolutely life-changing. That is, if you can afford it and find a therapist you like and trust. But of course, this is easier said than done. And that's why I'm so excited to be partnering with this week's podcast sponsor. Our sponsor for today's episode is BetterHelp. BetterHelp is the easiest and most affordable way I've ever found to find a great therapist. It's entirely online and super easy to sign up. You can get started right away. And if you don't love the counselor you're paired with, switching is easy and it's free. If you're going through something hard in your relationships, or if you're in a funk you just can't shake, if you've been feeling anxious or depressed lately, or if you're feeling stressed and you need help balancing your everyday life and schedule, BetterHelp is an incredible resource for you. And I'm so thankful that they've given me a promo code that I can share with you to make it even easier to get started. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com friendship today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash friendship. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. One of the things I I know can be so hard about waiting and about, um, I don't know, really, like, I think one of the things that comes against us most when it comes to liking our life, Mm -hmm. like really loving our Mm -hmm. life, but even liking our life Mm -hmm. is comparison. Mm -hmm. Because we're sitting at a stoplight yeah. when everyone else seems to have like all greens. Yeah. What do we what do we do about this? Yeah. I mean, I'll tell you when I figure it out, but <laughs> it's it's an <laughs> ongoing struggle. Like I don't feel like I have the perfect answer, but I do feel like, you know, the way I describe that is like it feels like your dream is coming true for everyone else but you. Right? Like 
like literally the season, the day you get broken up with, your best friend gets engaged, right? Or like the second you go through loss, 17 of your friends are like, I'm expecting or whatever. Like, or you miss on the promotion and all your friends are like advancing in their businesses. Like it just, whatever it is, it just seems like when there's an area that something feels outstanding for you and not outstanding in the meaning of like excellent, but actually like not a thing and like where it's not there. Um, I think it, it's like, it feels like anybody else experiencing that very thing is like highlighted. It's just like when you buy a new car, then you start seeing that car everywhere. It's like the thing you're thinking about. So I kind of consider that like when everyone else's dreams come true for you, like what the heck are you supposed to do with that? And I write a whole chapter about this in the book because it was something that like really hit me hard um, in various different seasons, but especially after loss. And um, a couple of things. One, I would say comparison is there. And actually I reached out to my my like counselor right after I had had like a day where I had like multiple friends reach out to me and either they were like thriving in their business and telling me these big wins, which I like hadn't had because it had been just such a hard year for us. Or they were like, and I'm going to have babies. Um, And so I was just like, what in the world? I'm just like hitting brick walls and everyone else is like advancing forward. And I was really having a hard time being happy for them. Like I wanted to be, but I didn't know how to be. And so I texted my therapist who has walked a similar road. And I was like, how do you be happy for people? Like when you actually feel so sad for you. And she said something that was really freeing for me. She said something along the lines of like, being happy for others when we're in so much pain is a social norm, but it's not normally how the brain works. Like it's not actually biologically like how our brain works. She goes, so here's what I've learned. It is possible to be happy for them and simultaneously sad for you because that's really the feeling we have. It's not like we're like angry at them for something working out in their life, right? It's not like we're like, sad that it's happening for them. It's not taking away from the fact that like, just because someone else got engaged doesn't mean there's like less opportunities for us or, you know, it's not like a zero sum game. But it can feel that way when it's just like in your face all the time. And so the way she put it was like, you can be happy for them and sad for you. And so that was like permission to be like, oh, okay, so I don't have to like jump up and down and give them the same reaction that I thought that I would. Um, So that was just like the first piece of like encouragement that reminded me like you can support, but maybe not in the same way you would have if this wouldn't have been painful for you. Um, But when it comes to comparison specifically, I feel like the best thing I've found is like actually confessing that like... I've, there was times where I had to like reach out to a friend and be like, hey, I'm really struggling with X, Y, or Z. Like, I just want you to know, like, it's not you. And I apologize if I'm like putting this on you, but like, I've just been carrying a lot of jealousy and I just need you to know that because I need, because almost like getting it off your chest, like when you feel like you're comparing yourself, it can feel so isolating and almost like shameful because you know, it's not like the right thing to do, but it's like a natural human reaction to things. So when you can like try to be transparent, either to the person you feel like you're comparing yourself to, or just to like a trusted friend in your life or your spouse or someone else, like, just even calling that out and getting it out of the dark can be really freeing because then it kind of brings it to the light. You're like, okay, it is what it is. I've admitted that. Like you can kind of then move forward versus when it's like just taking over your mind, it kind of traps you. Um, so that's been, a, that's a big thing I, I, I would say can be really helpful is just like confessing it either to the person or depending on the situation or to someone that you can trust. Um, so that's a big thing. And then another thing that I've had to remember, and this is something I wrote about in the book too, is a lot of times we compare because we feel like compared to so-and-so, I feel behind. They got married and I'm 27 and still single or whatever it may be. Um, And if anything, I feel like sometimes we get so fixated on the area that they're ahead that we miss the bigger picture. And so I actually had a friend share this with me and I wrote about this in the book, but it was like right after my losses, I was really like comparing myself to my friends who like never walked any, like had no, no issues when it comes to motherhood. And I just felt like, well, they're like more, you know, successful moms or whatever. And it was interesting because then I started thinking and I actually had a friend challenge me like, yeah, you're comparing yourself to so-and-so, but do you know how much she's probably compared herself to you when it comes to your career? Like she would give, like she's tried various businesses and none of them have worked out and you've just made it look so easy. And it was like, oh, like such a, like, oh yeah. Like in the where area I may be comparing myself to you, there's another area you might be comparing yourself to me. And it kind of just is like, there's a bigger picture here than the one area I get so focused on, you know, um, in many, in many cases. So that's just also something to consider is like, you know, sometimes, or like I was thinking about, you know, business stuff. Like I had a friend who was single, but like killing it in her business. And I was comparing myself because I felt like I kind of got like hit a wall for a little while. And I was like, but like, I also have this beautiful marriage and like we like where you're behind in one area or feel behind in another area, you may be ahead in another. So, and that's not always true with every case, but in many cases it is. And just like, always try to remember like, feeling behind someone else is honestly super relative because you're always going to be behind one person, but you're also ahead of others. So this idea of like, we just focus on the like, we always compare up like, oh, they have this and I don't have it. So therefore like until I have it, they're better off than me. Um, 
So kind of bringing that perspective back into like reality and looking at the big picture and the full picture can make a big difference and just realizing like, I'm still jealous that they have this thing that I don't have, but perspective shift, like it's not the whole picture. And actually I have some really great things that they don't have and it, it's not a competition, but at the same time, it's helpful for me to remember, like we're just in different seasons. Yes. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. You know, we're we're talking about liking your life and, and you talked about this when you defined like what that means, but I would love to dig into this a little bit yeah. more. So one of the things that I've heard from women um, when we're talking about my course, you know, I'll, I get emails from women who are like, hey, I've been thinking about doing this. Like, should I sign up? Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the questions is like, I have a hard time thinking about liking my single life or loving my single life because I don't want to be here. Mm-hmm. And I'm afraid that if I get comfortable in my single life, it's going to be like a really, really good comfy couch where mm-hmm. it just like kind of swallows you in and yeah. you're never and you never get up. Mm-hmm. And so that's one of the things that we've like talked through. It's it's hard to balance in our heads this idea yeah. of um, contentment with like complacency. So it's like, yeah. you know, okay, if I'm content there, well, then that does that mean I'm going to be there forever? Or if I'm yeah, if I'm working hard for something, does that mean I need to like hate where I am right now in yeah. order to propel myself forward? So yeah. talk to us about kind of the difference and the balance of those two things. Yeah, I think I think primarily liking your life or making the most of it doesn't necessarily mean sitting down. It just means like, okay, what can I do to like what things can I be doing to make this a little less miserable, right? And like actually make this something that's making me more interesting and more feel, like my life more full. Um, But I actually, I'm going to read this because this is something else that I wrote and talking about contentment versus complacency because almost it sounds like what this question is, is like, how do I be content where I am without getting complacent, right? And I think sometimes we make those things synonymous. So I want to read this because this is like exactly the answer to this. So first, it's possible to be content without being complacent because complacency is actually pretty passive. It's like, for the sake of a metaphor, it's like sitting down in the middle of your journey, pouting that you're not at your desired destination and ultimately just forgoing all hope, effort, and intentionality to keep moving forward uh, toward the thing you're hoping for, whether that's a relationship or something else. Contentment, on the other hand, is actually active. It is choosing actively to make the most of the middle and cultivate a purposeful existence even before you get to where you wanna be and taking brave steps in the direction you wanna go without resenting the journey when it gets long. So it's not saying like, oh, I'm just gonna stop dating. I'm gonna sit on my hands. I'm gonna be mad about it. Like, I'm just gonna like, but I, or I'm gonna love my life so much that I'm gonna get off the dating apps. I'm gonna stop trying to connect. I'm not gonna do a blind date. I'm not gonna put myself out there because I just wanna love my life and like focus on this. It's actually saying both can exist. Like I can make the most of my life and love it and I'll still be putting myself out there. Like, you know, it's like, you don't just give up on the thing you wanna do. But, or I guess my point is like, you can make the most of what, you, what you're what you doing without giving up on the thing you want to do. Both can simultaneously exist because ultimately like there's eternal purpose in every every moment you're given. And there's either preparation or purpose or something that's being developed in you in every, in every, every season and every moment. So if you can kind of look at it like, okay, I can do things to like, to enjoy my life and not just so that I'm a more interesting person or a better wife or whatever, but knowing that that is part of it, it is a preparation for the possible season I may step into next. But just because I'm content or just because I try to practice contentment doesn't mean I stop putting myself out there and stuff. It's, it's like contentment is like you're still walking up the path, right? And like the mountaintops up there, which is marriage or whatever you've decided is your mountaintop for this season. So you're still walking, but instead of walking in like, you know, being angry about it and hating every moment of it. It's like grabbing a water bottle, bringing a friend along, stopping and smelling the flowers, like putting some earbuds in it, earbuds, 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 earbuds in, listening to some music, like making the experience a little bit more enjoyable, but not like sitting, but like on the opposite hand, it's not sitting down and being like, well, I guess this is my life now. No, you still keep moving toward that mountaintop. It's just, you're doing it in a way that is a little bit more fruitful and fulfilling and fun rather than just frustrating. So hopefully that makes sense. It totally does. One of the things I always think about with this is like, um, my mom would always say that thing about like how a watch pot doesn't boil. Yeah. You know, like yeah. when I'd be making like craft mac and cheese, because that's like the only thing I can make. <laughs> um, and uh, she would always say that. And uh, like the truth is, a watch pot, like water's going to boil in the same amount of time whether you're watching it or not. Mm-hmm. But if you go do something else while you're waiting for the water to boil, like you can get other parts of dinner ready while you're waiting for the water to boil. Or you can go, I don't know, like do something, take a really quick nap. Or I don't know, you can do all kinds of different things. It will feel like the water boils 
faster mm-hmm. and you will have gotten something else done like mm-hmm. while you waited instead of just staring at it being frustrated right. that it's not boiling exactly. faster. Yeah. And I, I, I love that. I love that. Bringing a friend along, putting in your earbuds. Yeah. That's so good. Yeah. When we're pursuing something, I think there are moments where we like we're walking forward and something's not working out. It's really hard to know whether we should continue pursuing this thing or whether that's like I don't know, kind of like a sign. Like, is this is this a closed door or is this a door I need to like, is this a brick wall or is this a door I just need to knock on a little harder? Yeah. How do we figure out the difference? Yeah, that's a, I mean, I think it's honestly different. On, it, there's not a one size fits all answer because it varies so much situation to situation and person to person. Um, but one thing I really found, like this is a different situation, but like one kind of brick wall I ran into was I actually closed an area of my business. Like I closed my product shop for a while, which felt super backwards because that was how my whole business started. It was actually super popular. Like it was thriving in many ways, at least on paper. Like it was popular, it was profitable, but I felt like it was lacking purpose and clarity and that was making it really hard for me to lead. Um, and I was, and I kept just trying to push through. I was like, okay, if we just like release another thing, we just keep going, like it'll come into clear view. Like I'll figure it out. Like we just got to keep going. And I did that for a little while, but then it just started to feel like more like a blob than like a clear business that had a purpose and like I could lead it well. And blob's kind of a silly word, but like it just felt like kind of a mess. And even though it was working, it didn't feel sustainable. And I was having a really hard time. Like, do I close it? Do I walk away? Do I just try to like force it and keep going? Like, I don't know. And so I wrestled with that for a long time. And then I finally started seeking counsel and I asked like people who had worked with it, with it, with me in it, whether that was as like a contractor or on my team. Um, I ran it by some trusted mentors and friends, my husband, like I kind of addressed some people in my circle and I was like, here's where I'm at. Like, what are your thoughts? And I just kind of was like, I was feeling like it was time to at least take a step back. Sometimes it's not giving up on something forever, but it's like, okay, maybe it's just not the season for this. Right. Um, and so I, I but but to let go of a good thing, to let go of a dream feels really backwards. And I think a lot of times we assume that if it's not an easy decision or if it's not the easier move, then it must be the wrong thing. Like if it doesn't feel like it's just easy and falling into place and like it's time, like it can be hard to know. But anyway, so I ran it by several different people that I trusted and it kind of was like over the overarching consistency. Like the majority of people were pretty much like, yeah, maybe it would be good to take a step back and like pause it, maybe close it for a little while, see if you get any clarity and just kind of like let the Lord lead you. Because at the time, there were some other things that I was doing with my podcast and books and whatnot that I could pour my attention into. And so I was kind of like, okay. And I kind of knew that's what I had to do, but I still like waited for like months until I finally did. And then when I did, it was crazy because I closed it. I finally did a warehouse sale, closed it, had no idea if I was going to bring it back. And then walked through a year plus of adversity, loss, hardship, whatever. And in that adversity, God gave me all the clarity I needed. And I would not have been able to get that clarity had I been like trying to force it to work, right? So sometimes it's like, we have to just open our hands with something and say like, okay, maybe it's not the season. Another great example is we had a property that we owned um, that had like this beautiful, like little kind of colonial style farmhouse, super quaint, cute, but like needed a lot of updates. We were gonna open it up and remodel it. Sat on three acres, we had chickens. Like it was kind of like, this was the start of our like dream to homestead, right? And then we walked through loss and then COVID hit. And there was one thing after another. And we just started to feel like we had gotten into a couple of the renovation projects and it was fun. We made these bathrooms so much more beautiful. We had updated some of the landscaping, but we had a lot of other things we were going to do. We were going to open up the kitchen. We were going to put a new roof on it. We were going to paint it white. We were going to put a hor- like a front porch on it. Like it was going to be a massive project and it was going to become like our family home. And after going through all that we did and just kind of re-evaluating our priorities and realizing like, mm, maybe like being Chip and Joanna Gaines isn't a priority in this season. Like maybe it's simplifying and taking care of our health and like building our businesses and our family and like, that's more of a short-term goal than like renovating a house. And so we ended up after a lot of like wrestling with the decision, selling the house and simplifying. And it was hard to let that go because it felt like I was letting go of this vision I had had. Like I was excited to see it all come together. And so my point is it can come in various ways, but the biggest thing that I found though to be helpful is to consider, is this aligned with what I truly value most? And the only way you know what you value most is is when you start looking at everything you're pursuing and asking why. Why do I want to do X, Y, or Z? Why do I want to, you know, why do I want this? Why do I hope for it? Whatever. And if your answer is like, I don't know, it looks cool for Instagram. Like that was kind of my answer for the house. Like, yes, it was like a dream home, but like we could do that any season of our life. Like I can renovate a home in my 50s. I can't like do what I'm doing right now with my business or like build a family in my 50s as easily, right? So like, it was just kind of like what makes the most sense for this season is sometimes what you need to ask. And also like, 
just answer why to everything, to some of my business goals or work stuff I was doing. I was just like, I don't know, it sounds good. I saw my friend do it. Like, I didn't really have like a good reason. And so, you know, but then to some things I was like, because I know I'm called to be a a wife and a mom or because I want to be the healthiest me I can be for my future family whenever that happens. Like there were some things that I was able to give very clear answers to with deeper purposes and other things that were more just like, I don't know, like even for the business thing, like when I was considering closing it, it was like, why do I have this? And I could not answer that. I was like, I don't know. I don't even know what the purpose is of what we're doing. People just like it, but like, I don't know. And so asking that question to the different things that are on your plate can help you get clarity on like, what is it that needs to be prioritized in this season? I call that the present priority. Um, And that can change. That may change in a year, may change in six months, it may change in five years. But just like kind of evaluating like what's right for me in this season and sometimes seeking some counsel and seeking some feedback to affirm where your heart is leading or where your head is leading um, can make a big difference and give you a lot of that like affirmation and clarity you need to make a decision. I really like that. And I really like the idea that things can change. Like Mm -hmm. you can take something away and then bring it back Mm -hmm. or you can like say no to something, but then say yes to it later. Or like- Like we're still gonna wanna build our like custom home or like have our land. Like eventually that's still part of what we wanna do, but we just kind of got to the point where we're like, just not in this season, maybe in five to 10 years. Or like, you know, just knowing that like, you don't have to do it all right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, There's a- one of my girlfriends, she posted something on Instagram a couple days ago where she said um, that one of their favorite dinner conversation like starters is Mm. if you're, if your life was a book right now, mm. what would this chapter be? Or if your life was a book, what would this chapter be called? Mm. Um, and I think hers was something like always cleaning, never clean or something. She had <laughs> yeah. uh, three kids, I think under four. Mm. So anyway, she's mm. always cleaning, every, uh, never clean. And I was thinking about it and I was like, you know, there's, there's a like snappier way to say this for sure. But I think that mine a lot of times would be, I can do hard things, Mm -hmm. but not this many all at the same time (laughs) or something like that. You know, it's like, we can do hard things and we can, and we should, and we Mm -hmm. can do big, important, worthy things, but it's just, it's not always, uh, we can't like push ourselves Mm -hmm. to our max in every area of our life all at the same time. Something's got to give. And so if, if one area of your life is going to be really important right now, that means that another area needs to like sit on the back burner, but that's okay because there's going to be time for it. There's going to be another time for it. Or if it doesn't have to be put on the back burner, it at least needs to be adjusted to better support the area that needs the most tending. Like when I encourage people to think about what's your present priority, it doesn't mean that all your other responsibilities just get thrown to the wayside. It just means you may adjust how you're doing them. For example, when I identified like my present priority is my health. Like once I started kind of digging into testing and finding I had like adrenal issues and thyroid issues and things that was like, I shouldn't be having this at 25. Like we need to get this under control. I realized that needed to be my priority. And so everything else kind of had, it didn't mean that nothing else was important. My marriage was still important. My house was still important. My work was still important. But I just had to figure out like, how can those things kind of fall in line with supporting that priority? And how can I do them in a way that doesn't take away from that priority, but actually supports it? So that's part of the reason we said, okay, we're still gonna live in a home. Like we're not gonna just like not take care of a house, but maybe we need to do so in a way that actually is more supportive to our health rather than like causing a lot of stress and anxiety and construction and all the things. Yeah. And so anyway, it's like the way that we lived when it comes to home and housing shifted a little bit to better support the priority. That's obviously a big move, but that's just an example. Or like the way that I worked, I started delegating some things. I started saying no to extra projects. I started simplifying some of the things that I was doing to better support the priority. So it's not always that it just gets like thrown to the wayside. It just sometimes has to fall in line with the thing that needs the most tender, loving care, if you will. Yeah, I think that this is... um you know, we've been talking a little bit about relationships, about mm-hmm. singleness and, and dating and stuff. I think that this question becomes a little bit trickier when it's like, when do we wait and when do we take action mm-hmm. when we're in a relationship? Mm-hmm. Um, if there, I don't know why I, this is like so on my mind. I feel like I'm going to get an email from someone that was like, this is for me. <laughs> um, I just want to talk for a second. For the woman who's trying to figure out um, if she's supposed to be waiting on someone, mm-hmm. like you know, I have feelings for this person. I'm really hoping that they're going to return them someday Mm -hmm. or someday soon, like now, like Mm -hmm. yesterday would be great. Mm -hmm. Um, Do I take action or do I keep waiting? Mm -hmm. How do they start to figure that out? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, And again, it's not always a one size fits all, but I do think um, 
I think it's important to seek counsel on that because those who know your heart and that other person's heart could be really key um, in guiding you on like, it's the right time. Like, cause you may have, you may be able to have that conversation and your friend may be able to point out, like, I know you really want to be able to share this, but homeboy just got out of a relationship, like give him a month, you know, or whatever, like just kind of helping you think objectively because our hearts are so connected to the things that we want to do and we get so emotionally wrapped up. Or they may be like, yeah, you've been sitting on this for three years. It's time to do something about it, you know, Um, because at least then you'll know. Because the thing is like, we can sit around waiting for something that was actually never meant for us anyway. And if we don't actually like take, like take the risk to know that, then like the things that are meant for you won't pass you by. That's the first thing to remember. But also sometimes it's important to find out if it was meant for you. So if it's like, if you can seek some counsel and you get kind of the affirmation from those who know your heart and love you and like want the best for you and may even know the other person in this specific example, um, I think sometimes you do have to put yourself out there. And I also think that taking action, like I think a lot of times we think waiting is just sitting there hoping that something will happen, like they'll come to us or something will happen. Taking action on it doesn't mean you're not waiting. Like you could take action and it may still be a maybe, but not yet. Or it may still be a, you know what I mean? Like there could still be waiting around it. But I think like, for example, like after my losses, part of me was like, do I just wait and see if everything works out the next time? Or do I start taking action and like trying to find answers? To me, it's like, what if I do both? Like, what if I try to find answers, but also give myself like a break and understand that like, this is going to be a little bit of a waiting season. So I guess my point is sometimes it's not mutually exclusive. And I think taking action to try to get clarity on like, is this even something that I should be waiting on? Or am I like wasting my time can be actually really helpful. Um, But I definitely say seek some counsel on that because it's going to vary situation to situation. And if you're just like, you know, about, again, it's like the example I shared where if someone's, just got out of a relationship or is maybe bad news. And you have a lot of feelings for them, but the people that love you most are like, probably not a good fit. You know, like maybe it's not best to take action. So that's where it's like, seek some counsel from trusted people in your life. Um, And then don't be afraid to try to find out, is this even something I should be waiting on? I think that's, you know, or is this something that's better for me to take some time to wait on so that it can work out in the future? Which is like, in my experience, what I had to realize is like, I need to take this time to heal and to work on some things and whatnot. So hopefully that's helpful. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Jordan, you are just this incredible coach. Mm. You are just an incredible coach. It's one of my very favorite things about you. Um, I know that there are women right now who in all kinds of areas of their lives feel like they, like their efforts just don't make a difference. Mm. They're just trying and trying and trying and it just doesn't make any difference. And so it's just hard to keep going. It's hard to like get up and keep walking because it just feels like you're never getting anywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, So can you talk to us? Like, how do we, how do we get up and keep going Mm -hmm. in moments like that? Yeah, I totally get what you mean. Because the cliche, and it's funny because when I first wrote the first manuscript to my book, the message was like, if something doesn't work out the first time, get up and try again. Like the very cliche thing we hear. And then we're like, what if I've tried again over and over and over and I just keep running into brick walls? Like, I'm tired of that message. And I think it's a more honest message now of like, Sometimes you do all the right things and you give your best and you just keep getting doors closed in your face. And it's so unfair and it doesn't make sense. And it doesn't make sense right now anyway. Um, But all that said, one thing that I would encourage you to try to do, if let's let's say it's like a relationship that you've been trying to mend or you've been trying to, you know, you've been doing your best for it to work out and it just keeps running into brick walls or something else. um, When your best efforts kind of feel like they keep landing you in last place in one area or another, it's like so disheartening. But one thing I would encourage you to try to do is to try to finish something, even if it is entirely unrelated to the thing that feels... Because when when something feels incomplete in our life, whether that's our relationship status or our family or our career or something that's just like, geez, I've been doing my best and I just it still just feels incomplete. Um, sometimes when you can like almost completely pivot your attention to, okay, but what can I finish? So maybe it's training for a marathon and finishing a half marathon. Sure, your career might still feel like a little incomplete, but you're going to feel so accomplished and satisfied and fulfilled by completing something that feels fruitful in your life. Um, Or maybe it's a project, a home project that's just kind of been sitting half done or unpacking boxes that you just have left in your basement, like preaching to myself here. But like sometimes finding something to like finishing this book was like, yeah, there's still areas in my life that have kind of like, as I was finishing it felt like, well, that's not quite what I thought. And it's still like kind of incomplete. But finishing a book and being able to like close that, like, it, it gives you that sense of like satisfaction that you're really craving. Because what you're really craving is that sense of like, okay, you know, like something worked. And so it may not be in the area you want it to, which can still be incredibly frustrating, but trying to just lean into what can I finish? How can I finish something meaningful to me? How can I, you know, put the final touches on this project I've been letting like sit half done in my house or 
declutter this area that has just been driving me crazy, but I've just not touched or write the book manuscript I've wanted to write or train for the half marathon and run the dang thing or whatever it might be. There is something like that kind of, I don't know, it's like it can be like a spark that relights your fire and gives you the the, the determination and the energy to keep going on the things that may be taking a little longer. I love that. I love that. That's so good. We could talk about this forever. And I honestly wish we could. <laughs> but um, can you give just like any last encouragement for a woman who's sitting in a waiting season right now? Yeah. I think the most important thing that I've been told and that I think is important, like, I'll just give this story. My mentor poured this into me and I just, it really like helped me in my season of just feeling like, what the heck? Um, so if you think about the the garden, we talked about the garden a little bit earlier, but if you think about the garden of Eden and you think about the story of Adam and Eve, um, in that story, they were given everything other than one tree. They were given paradise. They were given like fullness of God, unity, like all the food they could possibly want, like like all the things, right? But there was one tree that was off limits. And so what happens? The enemy like slithers in and tries to make them fixate on that tree. And it's like, yeah, like I know God gave you all this other stuff, but like, look at this tree. Look at this thing that's being withheld from you. And what happened? And then like from there, it's like everything was a downward fall from there, right? I think in our own lives too, like this was something my mentor said is like, when you can start to shift because the enemy wants you to fixate on the tree that is like the one thing that feels withheld and focus on how God is not good and how much he's withheld from you. Never mind the fact there's this like garden of gifts and and fruit and blessings around you because there's this one thing that feels withheld. So therefore it feels like a reflection of God's character when he withholds something um, or it seems like he's withholding something. And so the best encouragement I can give you is like, if you feel fixated on the tree that has been withheld or seems to have been withheld, the enemy wants you to fixate on that. Like, and, and you're gonna feel miserable because trust me, I've been there and like, I can get stuck there at times. Like, it's not like something you just like overcome one time and you're done just with like comparison. It's similar, like it's kind of an uphill battle, but like just have the awareness of like, I'm getting fixated on the one tree again. And if you can shift your gaze to make sure you're seeing like, oh, I have this like home I can serve others with and make a difference. And that's gonna be so life-giving to me. Or, oh my gosh, I have this beautiful relationship that I've just been so kind of neglectful of because I'm so dang fixated on the thing that hasn't worked out or, oh my gosh, I have these amazing friends that I've just not really been very present for because I've been so mad that my like relationship life hasn't worked out or whatever it may be. Um, Try to remember like you have a garden to tend to in your life. And there may be one tree that feels withheld or some fruit that you feel like you don't, that feels just out of reach, but it may not be withheld forever. And just remember like there's so much more to enjoy in life. And every time you start to feel the like complete defeat of like, this is not working out. Remember, like I can, sh- I I get to call the shots. Like the enemy may want me to fixate on this, and I may have been fixating fixating on it, but I can shift my focus and see that God has so much more for me than the thing that I've been focused on or the only thing I can see. I love that. I love that, Jordan. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, you guys, we will link to everything for Jordan in the show notes. Which, by the way, if you guys don't know that where those are, they're girlsnightpodcast.com. That's where you can find everything. We'll link to Jordan. We'll link to her book. Um, Make sure you go get it. Um, And uh, Jordan, I just am such a big fan of you. Thanks for being on the show. Same. Thanks for having me. It was so much fun. Guys, thanks so much for listening to today's episode. I cannot tell you how much it means to me to have you here at Girls Night. Before you go, I would love it if you would do two quick things. The first is to subscribe. Subscribing to the podcast is the best way to make sure you never miss an episode. It's also a way easier way to listen because it's a way of sort of bookmarking the podcast. You never have to go looking for it again. Your app will just automatically download the next episode when a new one's released. The other thing is that it would mean so much to me if you would just take a quick second to leave a rating and a review for the show. The way that iTunes knows to suggest the podcast to new people is by the ratings and the reviews. That's how we invite new friends to our girls' nights. So would you do me a huge favor and take just a quick second to leave a rating and a quick comment about how you like the show so far? It would help us out so much. And huge shout out to all of you who have left those beautiful five-star reviews already. It means the world to me. All right, friends, that's all we have for today, but we'll be back next week with another episode of Girls' Night. I'll see you then.